This is Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg. And a good Saturday morning. Wake up in a little hockey conversation. It is Dave Rothenberg with you on Saturday, March the 20th, 2021. Away we go. Lot to get into as far as the NHL. Uh, big injury for the Islanders, certainly. Rangers putting up a 9 nothing victory earlier in the week. And the Devils coming off two consecutive wins as well. So, lot to get into. Uh, John Tanelli, former Islanders great, had his number 27 raised to the rafters at the uh, Coliseum. Last year, before everything went to, well, you know what, he'll join us a little bit later on. And of course, the great Don LaGreca will join the show as well. When we move to the later stages of the show, we'll look at the week on the horizon and what's coming your way. And then we'll say goodbye and be back with you at nine o'clock this morning. So the Rangers week, and it has been an eventful week. Last Saturday, remember, Rangers into Boston, having lost a couple games in a row. And they they beat up on the Bruins by the final of 4 nothing. Keandre Miller with the goal, Chris Carter. Kreider with a goal as well. Uh, his 14th of the season. Ryan Strom scored in the third period to make it 3 nothing, And then Pavel Bushnevich made it 4 nothing, And that was the final score in the game. Keith Kincaid with the shutout, stopping all 18 shots thrown his way. And the Rangers win that one by the final of 4 nothing. Then Monday had a 4-3 lead uh, in the third period. And you thought it might be a little bit of a roll for the Rangers, making it two in a row. Did not happen. Flyers tied the game uh, later in the third and won it in overtime. So the Rangers get the point, but lose it by the score of five to four. And then Wednesday night, we find out that David Quinn and his entire coaching staff not going to be able to be on the bench for the Rangers because of COVID protocols. So your thought is, oh my, Chris Knobloch is going to take over. Hartford's head coach is going to coach the Rangers. And, and what will happen? Well, what happened is a record-setting performance. Rangers win it nine to nothing is your final score. And if you're on a desert island and you're just returning now, you heard me correctly. Rangers won it nine to nothing at the Garden over Philadelphia. How many goals did the Rangers score in the second period? Seven goals in the second period. Mika Zibanejad, six points in the second period. And he had a natural hat trick in the second. So three goals, three assists. He had a shorthanded goal. He had a power play goal. He had a uh, even strength goal. He did absolutely everything that you could ask for. Only the second time in NHL history a player has had six points in a period. Brian Trottier was the other one. Alexander Gorgiev uh, with 26 saves for the Rangers as they get away with a 9 nothing victory. Like I mentioned, though, uh, David Quinn could not be on the Rangers bench, so Chris Knobloch was, and he discussed a couple things after the game. We start with, did you speak with Quinny about the game plan you were going to employ heading into this contest? Yes, I talked to Quinny you know, throughout the day. We probably had, I don't know, six phone calls uh, just going over with the pre-scout. And, you know, I think, obviously, the game plan was set out for us, well-prepared. And I, I know a big part of that success tonight, I think our three of our first four goals came off those own face-offs. And I remember that was one of the things he told me before the game was giving those our top lines more opportunities to score, having those offenses on faceoffs. And, um, you know, we gave them that opportunity and they, they capitalized on, you know, three, I believe, out of the first four goals. I'm sure David Quinn was thrilled that his team got the victory and was saying to himself, enough, save, those, save some of those goals for when I am, am behind the bench. But Mika Zibanejad has started to play better of late, of course, coming off a, a wonderful game on Wednesday night when he put six points um, into the net, three goals, three assists, all in the second period. And, and here he is discussing uh, the season and how he feels he's been playing better of late. 
the expectation is always higher. But um, again, the puck doesn't want to go in, it doesn't want to go in. So I've been trying to just get myself through this and, and uh, hasn't been easy. And But it is what it is. It's one game. and, and uh, But I feel like the game is... Just overall, been feeling a little bit better for the the past little bit here, and um, obviously the the production is a big part of it. And when I get the ice time, I've been I've been getting and the and the role that I have. As long as we we keep winning, and then I'm happy. Well, obviously, winning is the the most important thing, and and that'll be buoyed by a really solid play from a guy that was so good last year in Mika Zibanejad. And here is Pavel Buchnevich after the game on Wednesday night discussing Mika and that nine nothing victory. Happy for Mika. I think he played well. I don't know you you guys blame on him all the time. I think he play always play well. Good defensively. Just pass that puck doesn't go in. You're happy for him. He scored three and uh, makes some points today. I think uh, our line play well. Our team play well. And. Uh, uh, never be part the game for our, my team to score. I've been in Russia against me score like that. This is kind of bad feeling when you, you play and against you score like seven in the row. It's like I lose one time like ten two or nine nine one something like that. It's kind of tough. Funny, Pavel Buchnevich saying, you know, uh, we we played well. Yep, you won nine nothing. Odds are you played very well in that game, and the Rangers did. Now let's turn our attention. To the Islanders. Islanders with a massive loss, not on the ice, well, technically on the ice, but not as far as a game is concerned, as far as a player is concerned, and that is Anders Lee. Anders Lee tears the ACL. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. He's going to have surgery. Let's get the update. Here is Lou Lamarillo. Lou, tell us about the uh, the injury update to one Anders Lee. Uh, yes, Anders Lee will undergo surgery this week and uh, will be uh, out for the season. So that obviously is upsetting as the Islanders lose their captain for the season. I mean, gritty player, tough player, playoff caliber player, goal scorer, captain, you name it. They did lose it. Big loss for the Islanders. Do we have a timetable, Lou, for how long Anders may be out? We feel uh, he will be ready for next season. Uh, We have all indications of that. And certainly knowing the character and discipline of Anders and the rehab that uh, he will be so diligent at that uh, he will be ready for next season. So that has to be the hope for the Islanders and their fans, certainly. Now, obviously, no Lee. Rest of this season, what does that do as far as changing your approach at the deadline? Here's Lou Lamarillo. There's no question that now we have cap room, as you said, with Islanders being you know, on LTI. And whatever we can do to make ourselves better, we will be doing that. It certainly changes our focus. Uh, you lose a player like that. The role that he plays is our leading goal scorer. You know, up and certainly till his injury, so that if we can get ourselves better, we will. We will not do something just for the sake of doing it. But you know, we're now looking a little different. Well, if there's anyone you trust to, to make a trade at the deadline, it certainly would be Lou Lamarillo. Now, what did the Islanders do on the ice this past week? Well, last Saturday they are in New Jersey and and get a three-two victory, so they continue their winning streak and, and buoy it up to eight. Then on Sunday, another win. You thought the Islanders lost this game. The Devils actually celebrated in overtime. They thought they had the victory. They replayed the goal from the Devils. In fact, they were offsides. It goes to a shootout, and the Islanders win it by the score of 3-2. to two. So now the Islanders are looking at a nine-game winning streak, but that was snapped on Tuesday against Washington. 3-1 Caps win in the nation's capital. Alexander Ovechkin, his 12th of the season and 718th in his career as the Capitals win that one by the final of 3-1. to one. And then Thursday night of this week, the Islanders lose against Philadelphia 4-3. Isles trailed 3-0, came back to tied at 3, and then lost it in the third period and the final that one 4 
to three. Let's turn our attention to the Devils. Devils, uh, they lose to the Islanders, like we mentioned, 3-2 last Saturday, 3-2 in the shootout last Sunday. Tuesday, they beat Buffalo by the score of 3-2. And then Thursday of this past week, they beat Pittsburgh uh, also 3-2. to two. So the Devils come into the weekend on a, a two-game winning streak. They led that game on Thursday 3-0. Jack Hughes scored his seventh of the season. Here is Lindy Ruff, head coach of the Devils, on the victory. I thought our guys did a great job. Obviously, we faced some adversity, and we lost a couple key players, and we got a big effort out of a lot of guys that allowed us to win the game, get off to a great start. So it was it was something that we needed. And they needed it, and they got it. And the Devils have now, like we mentioned, won two consecutive games. And Lindy Ruff, very pleased to see some goals with bodies in front of the net. Yeah, something we've been talking about is getting bodies there. I didn't think we did a great job even in the first period of, you know, once we got the pucks up top to our defensive of getting pucks through. But we hit some people. We mishandled some. Uh, but when we got some through, we had people there. And, you know, it's no secret if we can take the goalie's eyes away, it makes the save a lot tougher. So there you have it. Kind of a recap and a review of what we saw from the Islanders, the Devils, and the Rangers this past week. So let me set the table for you. Don LaGreca going to join us in a moment. Of course, hockey aficionado here on 98.7 ESPN. Does a wonderful job on the Michael K show. He's the master of drops. I mean, it's Don. And then we got John Tonelli a little bit later on. Former Islanders great will join us for, I'm assuming, it's going to be a terrific conversation uh, with uh, number 27, John Tonelli. And then we'll look ahead to next week at as well, And look to the deal that the ESPN uh, and NHL made as far as moving forward and the seven years of hockey on ESPN. So quick break. It's Crash the Net. Don LaGreca next. We'll go around the locals. We'll analyze it to the best of our abilities. It's a Saturday morning. Feet up. Coffee in hand. Maybe a bagel and a schmear. I don't know. But it's Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Crash the Net podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN. And away we go here. It is Crash the Net. Dave Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. The first two-time guest on Crash the Net. He is, of course, from Michael K. fame, the Michael K. Show 3 to 7 every weekday on 98.7 ESPN. And part-time voice of the Rangers as well, and that is the great Don LaGreca. Good morning, Don. How are you? Good morning. How are you, Dave? Always a pleasure. Uh, I'm a big fan of you. And and I, I told you um, a, a day or two ago, I, I think Stench from a Marinek, if I had my vote and I could ultimately decide, that would be the winner in Drop Madness. Interesting. There's nothing better. Nothing because right better. now the odds-on favorite, I believe it's like a 2-1 to one in Vegas is sniff them, sniff them dead. So that would still be a major upset. But I like where you're going. That was funny. Well, because it had so many dynamics to it. It had the the part of, I be, like, I think it's very underrated. I believe I'm saying this right from you <laughs> is wonderful. And then where he comes back and reacts and says, no, it's, what, what's his name, Bennett? Bennett, yes. Yeah, he says, no, actually, it's Bennett. Like, it's not like his name was, was Steve or something even close. His name was nothing close to Stench. Yeah, not even close. Not yeah. even close. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. As was the Rangers' performance the other night. Don, you got to call a 9 nothing game. I'm surprised you have a voice this morning. Uh, it was um, it was rough. When I was driving home, I'm thinking, uh, yeah, this, this was really stretching the voice out because, you know, it's not a typical, you know, 9 nothing game. I mean, records are being broken. Zabanajad, this kind of reminded me of that game last year against Washington when he had the five goals and won the game in overtime. So usually when there's like a nondescript, noncompetitive game – 
you're not going nuts after every goal, but when there's seven of them in the second period, which was one shy of a franchise record, when Mika Zibanejad has a natural hat trick and scores three different ways, even strength, power play, shorthanded. And just trying to get him going, right, Dave? I mean, this is this is a guy that's been a shell of himself for literally the first half of the season. Every goal seemed to mean something, and it was just a, a terrific game to call. And we'll see if this turns out to be an aberration or a turning point to this season. Yeah, hopefully this jumps the Rangers into a, a red-hot run, but that was unbelievable. To score nine goals, I mean, you've been around this game for a long time now, and even certainly as a kid and, and into your teens and into your 20s, watch the game nonstop because it's it's your favorite sport, I know. Have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, you know, the three different goals from Zabinijad in the second period, the six points in a period, the 9 nothing win, like that was really remarkable from the Rangers. You know, usually you see it um... – I remember I didn't call the game, but I did the um, I did the intermissions and the and the pre and post. This is going back. I think it was 2007. The Bruins came to town, and something happened with their plane, and they had the bus from Boston to New York day of the game, and they were exhausted, and the Rangers beat them seven to nothing. Well, there's a reason for that. You know, Boston obviously was compromised, or an expansion team comes in, or a really bad team comes in, and and you thump them. Uh, but this is a good flyer team. Again, they weren't playing great going in, about 500 hockey, and we're on the outside looking in for the playoffs. But but a good team, a really well coached team. So you're not ready to fire AV because they lost nine to nothing. And the the previous three games were all very competitive, including one decided in a shootout and the other in overtime. So this kind of came out of nowhere. Like I, 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 you just were not expecting this to happen, and it just got worse and worse for Philadelphia. Um, Myers was a minus six in the first two periods. It, it was just crazy. Neither goaltender could stop anything, and it was just a, it was a magical time. Uh, for the Rangers for those first 40 minutes of the game, and I hope it turns into something. Well, I think all the Rangers fans hope it turns into something. So so let me ask you, do you think, and of course we don't know, but it, it feels like he's playing better of late and getting more chances, and then such such a game like he had uh, the other night. Do you think this is a jump start for Zibanejad? I think so, because it was coming. Like This is the second time in the last three games he was the number one star. I thought his best game was uh, that 4 nothing win over Boston, where he was just all over the ice, and he's continued that play. It hasn't always showed up at the box score, but you just see a different guy. He's a better defender. He's got more speed. He's playing more physical. So that lends to the idea that this was COVID-related. Remember, he had the coronavirus before the season started. So put two and two together. He's getting stronger. He's feeling better. And and now it's showing up in the box score. So now it, it's sustaining here. And, and the return of Panarin. Certainly, I think, has rejuvenated this entire team from an offensive standpoint, for sure. So I I think we're going to see maybe not a duplicate of last year from Mika, but but certainly close to that. And if you get that and a healthy Panarin and a healthy Heedle and they figure out this goaltending, they will be a better team in the second half than they were in the first half. Now, whether it's enough to make the playoffs or not, probably not but at least give you a better feeling going into next year that when this team is complete, they're certainly heading in the right direction. Now, you mentioned him, and I want to piggyback off of this, and that is Panarin. And, and you, you know, when you watch him every night, it's almost like James Harden-esque. You know he's great, but he's out there in, in you know, wherever in this country playing games. And then when he's on a team that you get to focus on all the time, you realize how special he is. And, and when he's out, Rangers offensively are just a shell of themselves when he comes back. I mean, Panarin, Don, he is... And the thing that resonates to me the most is his passing. 
is, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that, I mean, sure, we've seen Gretzky and we've seen guys that can pass, but the way he passes the puck is, it's sensational. Not from the wing, right? I mean, we've seen centers do that. That's what centers are supposed to do. But to be able to do it from the wing, and you're so right, you're dead on. I mean, when I'm calling games, you know, you kind of anticipate as a play-by-play guy, like what might happen. Every time he's got the puck, I'm ready for something special to happen. Even if guys are not open, he'll find them. And that's a vision that is great in all sports, right? It, you know, we could talk about a quarterback's arm and his mobility. It's his vision that makes him great. To be able to see things normal players can't see. That's exactly how he is. And so he makes the guys around him better. And he doesn't play with Zabanajad much, but on the power play he does. And you can see that magic work for a power play that really has struggled this year. I would not be surprised if it's much better in the second half with Panarin there. So I, I you know, I watched him in Chicago. I watched him in Columbus. I called his games. But to see him every single day, that's the thing that jumps out. Yeah, he can score. Yeah, he's a great you know, dynamic skater and all that. But his vision of the ice for the position that he plays is the best in the league. It really is remarkable. He is Don LaGreca. This is Crash the Net on 98.7 ESPN. You know what frustrated me the other night, Don? All of a sudden, and there's a large faction of these people who don't like Quinn to begin with because the Rangers have certainly not had a great first half of the season, but they scored nine goals. See? That's the reason. As if he had no you know, implementation of the game plan, as if he wasn't involved at all, and all of a sudden this was nothing to do with David Quinn. I mean, I have to believe that they would have won that game with or without him the other night. Exactly. It would have been the exact same performance because you know what Knobloch was, and this is no offense to him. He's a, he's a good coach down in Hartford, and I think he certainly has a future in this league as a coach. He Barry Switzered that game. And what I mean is Barry Switzer came in, replaced Jimmy Johnson, did everything Jimmy Johnson would have done, and they won a Super Bowl. I mean, that's what he did. He admitted it before the game started. The game plan was already set up for him by Quinn. Um, so he knew everything that he was supposed to do and implemented David Quinn's plan. So I'm frustrated like you are. He's a young coach with a young team. I think he's the perfect guy for this team. And I was guilty of it. My expectations were very high coming in because I bought into that last month before the pandemic. But this team is on the right track. They haven't lived up to the expectations, but I think that's more on the fans than it is the organization because I think they accelerated the rebuild more than I think the Rangers anticipated it to be. I think they were calm, cool, collected since they sent out that letter uh, a few years ago. And they're on the right path. And, and, I, and I'm disappointed in the goaltending. That's a concern because I think the goaltending has not lived up to expectations, and I think the Rangers are disappointed with that. But how many games have they played with everybody healthy? I mean, remember, Truba was out eight games. Heedle was out 14 games. Panarin with the leave of absence. Kako was on COVID protocol. I mean, they really have not been a complete team for a while, and yet they're they're around 500, and, and, and I think we'll be better in the second half. So I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's going anywhere. And if you are disappointed where they are, then maybe maybe you have to recalibrate your expectations more so than the Rangers being at fault for not being where you think they should be. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And I understand why people are a little bit frustrated. And I think you got a glimpse and a taste of it last year where they were so good down the stretch. But think about this, Tom. 
They were good. They got hammered in the postseason. They couldn't even compete with Carolina. And you could not have had a better season from your best two players. Panarin and Zabinajad were as great as they ever could be. And neither has been that good. I mean, Zabinajad certainly. And then Panarin with the leave of absence. So you'd have to think that you would take a little bit of a fall off. And they had. I, I Again, let's think long haul instead of it's got to be an immediate gratification with this club. You know, when you're incorporating a 20-year-old in Kako, a 19-year-old in Lafonniere, that's going to take some time. I'm sorry. You know, Alexei Lafonniere is not Connor McDavid. If you thought he was going to be Connor McDavid, that's on you. All right. That doesn't mean he's not a bad player. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. Doesn't mean he was a a bad pick. It just that because he was the first overall pick, people have these expectations. He's going to jump right into the league and average a point a game. No, he'll grow and he'll become a great player. You just got to have time. Same with Kako in his second year. I've seen leaps and bounds better than the first year, but certainly not to the level of you know, whatever your expectations might have been. And, and it's going to take some time. You've got a lot of young players. And it's going to, not all of them are going to turn out to be as great as you hoped. Uh, who thought Adam Fox would be the best defenseman on the team? He's and he's terrific. turned out to be that. So yep. let's be patient. Let's see. If we fast forward a year from now, Dave, and we're talking about a team that's 500 out of the playoffs, then maybe you could start talking about, well, what's going on here? But right now, with everything they've gone on with COVID, no training camp, youngest team in the NHL, Pick your sport, Dave. Whenever you're the youngest in a sport, there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be ups and downs. That's just the way it works. You know, baseball, football, basketball, whatever the sport. You're you're the youngest team. You you gotta you gotta think that there's going to be some bumps in the road, and the excuses will eventually grow away. They'll outgrow them. But right now, be patient. I know that's a four letter word in sports, but that's what you have to be. And not easy for the New York fan. All right, I, I want to switch uh, our attention to a team that uh, doesn't need to be patient, and that's the Islanders. They are sensational right now. They are they win almost every game. I mean, they've been o- almost perfect and flawless at home, but they did have a hit, and Anders Lee is going to be out for the rest of the season. That is a, that, that's a big hit, Don, to not have him. I mean, he is gritty. He is gutty. He provides that. Yeah, first of all, he's a goal scorer. Second of all, he's your captain. That's a big loss for this club. No, it's terrible. From a leader leadership standpoint, he, he's a thick player. He can get in front of the net. He can score. And this is a team that I believe can compete for the Stanley Cup, but they're not going to score seven, eight goals a game. They're not built to do that. And now you lose a player of his caliber – it's going to be missed. But here's where you could be excited if you're an Islander fan, all right? Just talk to a Devil fan on how Lou Lamorello handled the trading deadline when he thought he had a team that could win the Cup. And you saw players like Doug Gilmore, Alexander McGilney, Joe Neuendijk, Neil Broughton, players that he traded for that contributed immediately and helped the team make a run. He'll make a move. He admitted he's going to make a move. So whether it's... Um, Taylor Hall in Buffalo, whether it's uh, Kyle Palmieri with New Jersey, there's a few players out there that are available. And maybe they're not Lee, but they could be close to Lee and maybe in some aspects have the ability to to get hot. Like, Listen, I don't know if Hall's the perfect fit for this team, but we did see Hall win an MVP a couple of years ago. Would it be crazy if Hall came in here and all of a sudden was lights out in the second half and started scoring goals at a greater clip than Lee and helped them in the playoffs? Palmieri, I think, is a good fit. You know, he's a local kid that I think can do some things. So if I'm an Islander fan, I'm disappointed, but I'm kind of excited to see where Lou may go here because he's a conservative general manager for sure, but when he thinks he's got a shot, he'll go for it. And clearly he thinks he has a shot with this team. Well, they're a terrific team. Uh, I mean, Don, they were great last year. They're great this year. I mean, they have a chance to to absolutely win this division, and and you get out of this division, I mean, they have a real chance to win the Cup. So 
Lou will make the move. And, and on top of that, I think he needs to. Like, if he stood pat, which he won't, but if he stood pat and you're an Islanders fan, you would be and should be frustrated by that. But he's right. going to make a move at the deadline. I have no doubt about that. How good was Pajot last year when he made the deal Terrific. for him? And, and he Terrific. was such a contributor to this team. No, you, you got to be excited. This is, this is, you know, there's a lot of people that think, you know, that, that Lou is a little too conservative. And there was a time, especially at the end of the Devils, that maybe he was a little too conservative and the game might have passed him by and all that stuff not aggressive and free agency kind of old school but when he senses it when he smells it he goes for it and he 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 will do it and I believe they're coming out of the east I, I do now wh- whether they win the division or not is irrelevant to me but they match up very well against Boston not so much Washington but the playoffs can be a different animal I would not be shocked if they're representing the eastern division in the final four and with Tampa you know, still waiting for Kucherov. He's supposed to be back. Carolina. There's some good teams that they that can get in their way to try to win that cup. But they gained a lot of experience last year. They really tested Tampa in the conference final. I'm sure they'd love to get another shot at at them again at some point. Carolina, Toronto. I mean, some good teams, but I think they've got an excellent chance to uh, to at least get to the final four, if not really be banging on the door for a Stanley Cup. Don, outstanding again. I appreciate you. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the college basketball, and let's do this uh, sooner rather than later. Good stuff. Go Georgetown. There you go. My guy, Don LaGreca. (laughs) Excellent job by Don LaGreca, as always. Here's what we're going to do now. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and former Islander star who has his number retired, John Tonelli, will join us on a Saturday morning. It's next, and it's right here. It's Crash the Net with Rothenberg and you on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Crash the Net Podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN. And we continue along on a Saturday morning here. Dave Rothenberg with you. Crash the Net, 98.7 ESPN. And big thanks to Don LaGreca. We'll look, we'll look forward to the week that's going to be in just a couple of moments. But... This is going to be an interesting, fun, and not-so-easy conversation with me. I grew up a Rangers fan. This guy haunted me throughout my childhood. I grew up on the island. Let's bring him in. Member of four Stanley Cup teams. That is John Tonelli. Good morning, John. How are you? Hi, Dave. Um, all is well by me, thanks. And uh, my apologies for, yeah. uh, for any harm that I've done to you in the past. You have, you have no understanding how difficult it was. So I, I grew up about 10 miles from the Coliseum. And for some reason, I don't know, don't know why, I gravitated towards the Rangers. And almost everyone that I went to school with through high school was an Islanders fan. And as you can imagine, I graduated high school in, in 91. But, you know, I'm a little kid in 80, 81, 82, 83. And the Islanders are winning every single year. You know what kids can be like. I was ridiculed. I was mocked. I was made fun of. You did not make it easy as a young man. <laughs> That's funny. I Believe me, I have a, uh, a few clients that grew up close to the Coliseum. And uh, like you, they were Ranger fans. And uh, to this day, they always, they always uh, you know, joke around with me. You know, they used to, uh, they, they tell me they used to, to throw rocks at our, in our parades. <laughs> 
not not really. <laughs> yeah. No, I I know, but it's funny. It's funny the the allegiance and the, the just this this dislike and I almost yeah, I guess you can probably say hatred between the Islanders and the Rangers and the fans and it's such a good healthy rivalry and it has been for such a long time. And there's a lot I want to cover with you today. So so let's start out. A lot of people may not know. You, they know you're on the Islanders. They know you won multiple cups with the Islanders. But how did you wind up on the Islanders? Let, let's go back to the '70s and kind of start off from from that point. So I uh, I played uh, junior hockey in Toronto for the Toronto Marlies. Got the privilege of playing at uh, Maple Leaf Gardens, the old Gardens, and uh, I was uh, drafted by Houston in the WHA. And uh, so uh, at the age of 18, I'm uh, hopping on a plane and I'm going down to Houston. Uh, I signed a three-year deal to, to play with the Houston Arrows. Got got a chance to play with Gordie Howe. Actually, uh, the old uh, the new building there at that time was called the Summit, and we were the first uh, pro game there. And I I started out playing center ice between Gordie Howe and his son Mark. So um, and while I was there, I was then in my second year when I uh, when I turned 19. And the NHL was, uh, uh, there's a little thing where players were getting taken early by other teams. And so the NHL came up with a rule that uh, you couldn't be drafted till your 20 or your 20th year. Uh, and the New York Islanders uh, drafted me uh, while I was playing in the WHA. And I guess the, the rest is kind of history. So what year were you drafted um, by the Islanders in? Uh, 77, 78. So now I'm drafted by uh, the Islanders, and uh, the WHA is folded, and four teams get to uh, merge into the NHL. And one of those teams is Winnipeg. And when the WHA folded, players were dispersed, and I was, uh, and my rights were dispersed to Winnipeg in the WHA. So I had a choice to go to Winnipeg or the New York Islanders. And uh, I'm very, very lucky that, uh, that I took, made the right choice. I, I would say so. So early stages, what is it like to go from, you know, your WHA, Winnipeg, choice between the Islanders and, and the Jets. You choose the Islanders and all of a sudden you're, you're hoist into, I mean, stardom with this team that is now winning multiple cups in a row. Well, listen, the first year that I, that I came to the team, you know, things weren't uh, – so easy there you know i even in, i can remember a training camp i said oh you know oh my god i gotta you know i gotta really get going here you know because this this was a super really good team and uh and it was just all coming together um and i'm sure i don't know if you can remember but uh we were upset by the rangers in the uh semis and, yeah, and the uh, rangers that, went to the stanley cup finals in 79 sure Absolutely, and uh, I, we were we were devastated, and, uh, uh, and it took us a long time to get over that over the summer, and and uh, we just all kind of got together and said uh, we you know we need more, we need more out of all of us, and uh, we we found out from losing and how devastating it was that we we could dig dig deeper and and get more. And you guys certainly did. I mean, you went to the Stanley Cup Finals five consecutive years and, and won four of those. So let's fast forward all the way to today, and then we'll we'll sprinkle in the, the middle part in just a moment. John Tonelli, former Islanders, great with us here on Crash the Net 98.7 ESPN. What are you doing now? What's going on with your life? And, and kind of bring the Islanders fan and the hockey fan up to date on what's happening with you. 
so I uh, I learned very very early that uh, that my hockey career was going to carry me afterwards uh, when it was over. So uh, I was I would work in the summertime, and uh, one of the things that uh, I was able to do was uh, to work for a title insurance company, and uh, I've been doing that for well over thirty years. So uh, I did it part time while I was playing. Uh, during my career, and then uh, uh, you know, in '91, '92, my la- after my last season, uh, I stepped right into it full time, and uh, and that's what I do. I work for a company called Lincoln Land Services, and I work with a, a great group of people. Got a great team, and uh, it's something that uh, that I can do, you know, from anywhere on the planet. I can do it, and uh, you know, given the pandemic, I've been able to stay afloat. And uh, earn a living, thank God, and uh, and take care of the family. And you stayed in the in the New York area. You didn't you didn't go back to Canada. You stayed in the tri-state. Yeah. So I would uh, every you know I played for uh, Calgary. I played for Los Angeles. I uh, played for Chicago. Uh, I ended ended up uh, my last half year in Quebec. And every summer I would come back to York, to New York and work. So I never, I never sold my home in New York, and I've always, I always stayed there. And then, so that was on Long Island. And then eventually, uh, I lived a while in the city, and then, uh, and then uh, ended up in in Armonk in Westchester County. Heard great things about Armonk, New York. All right, so John Tanelli with us here, ninety-eight-seven ESPN. Take us back to the late seventies, early eighties. Is there a moment, and I'm putting you on the spot? You haven't prepared for this at all. Is there a moment when you realized how special it was? Like, did, did you realize at some point during that 1980 season, like we're going to win the cup, or, or is it until Nystrom scores that goal against Philadelphia that you realize, or is that that moment leading up to it where you said we're the best team and we're going to win the cup? Not, not exactly, Dave. You know, it didn't really happen. It didn't really click in until the puck hit the back of the net because uh as you can recall the the flyers that year were uh were phenomenal i think they went uh, 35 games without a loss and uh they were they were a special team um and uh uh, there was a time uh, uh, in between the second and third period of that overtime where we were we were leading four two uh, and then in the third period, they came back and tied us and, and put that game into overtime. And uh, I think most of us thought, oh, my God, if we go back to Philly, we're in, we're in big trouble. We got to end it here. And, uh, and luckily we did. You did, and the celebration ensued, and then you won it again, and then again, and then again. And, you know, when, when, when I, even as a Rangers fan, think back to those teams, and it's you, and it's Nystrom, and it's, it's Bossy, and it's Potvin, and it's Billy Smith, and I mean, just the, the names go on and on and on. Are, are, are you guys still in touch? Is there still this camaraderie between the, the core of that team from the early 80s? You know what? Uh, we don't see each other that much. You know, I might see uh, uh, Butch Goring. Um, uh, a few times more, but uh, when we do see each other, it's just uh, it's a great uh, great bond, great memory. Uh, I, I think that whole you know, I was very lucky to be uh, drafted by the New York Islanders, and uh, again made the right decision to be a member of that team. And that that team, uh, you know, starting from the top, from Bill Torrey to Al Arbor. You know, those uh, us winning 
could have never happened without those two guys. Uh, Bill putting it together, Al in charge, and believe me, he was in charge. You know, and uh, you had to you had to work hard to command his respect. And uh, and you know what? And he gave it right back to you. And uh, we we uh, we jumped over the boards for him a lot. You know, all the time, just as we did for each other. You know, and that's the way it was. And uh, to this day, he's one of the greatest coaches that I've ever played for. And, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm lucky to be one of those guys to be able to play for that team. Yeah, that really was, was some special team. I mean, when you think of the great teams in the history of hockey, that, that has to be one of those clubs. So last year, before the world completely shut down, and God, it's, it's amazing to think that we're over a year now, you had an incredibly special night. You had your jersey retired by the Islanders in this organization. What I mean, is that beyond your wildest dreams? When you're a kid and you think of you know Game 7 of the Cup Finals and scoring the game and overtime and all that kind of stuff, do you ever go as far as thinking, when I have my number retired by that franchise? I think uh, I think every player dreams about it, you know, at one time or another. And uh, you know, right there, I'm just I'm again I'm very fortunate because uh, you know you got you know, I'm, I'm so happy that Scott Malkin and John Ledecky came along and took uh, took over the team uh, and hired uh, Barry Trotz and and hired Lou hired Big Lou, you know. Uh, you know, one of the best GMs there is on the planet. And uh, you know what? Uh, hockey, at the end of the day, hockey is a, a, simple, a simple game, right? And sometimes guys, guys try to make it too complicated, you know, and it, it's, it's uh, you know, accountability, responsibility. It's, and when I watch the, the boys play today, it it's kind of similar to what what we had with Al. You can you can see the guys on the bench, you know, cheering for each other, working hard for each other, and and uh, playing playing two two hundred feet, you know, all over the ice and winning battles. And um, so for them, you know, for I had been kind of you know out of favor with the Islanders for a while. It's kind of and not not to the Islanders' fault or mine. It's just just you know in an innocent way. And uh, this guy reach out, reaches out to me. Uh, his name is, again, it's John Ledecky. He reaches out to me. We play around at golf. And, and uh, all he says to me is, hey, listen, I want, you, I want you to come back to the family. This is a family. And uh, I said, yes, real quick. And that's all I, that's all I needed. And, uh, and the next thing I know, there's, there's a conversation about uh, retiring my jersey. And, and uh, I got a call from Lou. And uh, it just, it was phenomenal. I just, uh, the feeling that I had and the emotion I had from that phone call uh, was, was, was just phenomenal. And uh, it's a night that uh, uh, myself and my family will never forget. I'm sure. And what, what a special night to have. And, and it's great that you're back within the Islanders family. Now, you must be a generous guy because Anders Lee, number 27, and I guess he went to you and said, John, can, can I wear your number And after it was retired? And you, you gave him the green light to go ahead and do that, huh? Didn't take long, Dave. I, you know, that's one of the things Lou and I talked about. And Lou, uh, Lou uh, you know, started the conversation. Hey, listen, I'd like you to talk to Anders. Anders. And uh, I said, Lou, I know, I know what to do. And, uh, and, you know, Anders and I got on the call together. And, and uh, I said, I, I'm not going to do this unless you wear it. You know, you're, we're going to share this number. And uh, and uh, one day I'm going to see you up there with me, 
and uh, that's the way it's going to go. And uh, and I just uh, I can't I can't uh, thank Anders enough because what a character he is, class guy, and uh, what a leader and character player he is. I, I, I enjoy watching him play so much. He's a terrific player, and it, it stinks with what happened with him with the injury going to be out for the year. Um, just just terrible news. Yeah, that's you know what that's a, that's a big blow for us uh, for the squad. You know, it's a big big hole to fill. I'm sure the guys will will step it up and uh, and dig deep. And uh, you know, who knows what uh, what Lou's going to do here down the road? But I'm sure he'll try and figure out something. But again, when you lose uh, a guy like Anders, you you can't. He's he's a guy you can't replace. Yeah, such a terrific player, both on and off the ice and as a leader as well. John Tonelli with us here, 98.7 ESPN, crashed in the net on a Saturday morning. Last one I wanted to throw by you. How's the game changed? I mean, it's amazing to think that from, you know, you guys winning the Cup, we're now 40 years out from, from that run or thereabouts. How would you say the game has changed from the early to mid-80s to where we are today in 2021? Well, I, th- I think the biggest thing for me that I see is the – uh, the the ability to get in somebody's way if he's coming if he's coming in to check you you know or or your defenseman you know if if I ever let anybody come a hundred miles an hour and forecheck Dennis Dennis Potvin I, Dennis Potvin would come up and spear me and said don't you ever let that guy come at me like that right so all over I know it's I know we want to speed up the game but at it's it, to me, it's at a point where it could be could be dangerous to a point where if you don't put a little bit of interference in there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and help guys, uh, give guys the ability to make a play here and there. Uh, you know, it's I, I don't know where I don't know where it goes, you know, because the game uh, and there's another thing, too. Right. The game has gotten so fast and, and then every, everybody can skate and everybody's high, you know, skilled and everybody's going 100 miles an hour out there so it's 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 i think it's a lot faster and i just i just i just want to see the guys not get hurt you know absolutely uh do you still hate the rangers <laughs> no <laughs> no uh no i uh one of my best pals is tom laidlaw so we're always uh we're always on the phone chatting and and uh and joking with each other and uh you know he's been a He's been a dear friend. I, I played with him in, uh, in Los Angeles, and actually Tom uh, gave his time to me and helped me coach uh, one of the teams I coached, and uh, he ran the defense, and I ran the forwards. And uh, <laughs> that's, uh, there's a lot of stories there. You'll have to, you'll have to call, call me and him another time. I'd love to have you guys a little round table with where are they now. John, listen, uh, I, I didn't want to like you this much. I, I didn't want to as a Rangers fan, but I do. I appreciate a couple of minutes. Um, we'll definitely have you back on the show again. Continued success in everything you're doing. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for the call, and stay safe yourself. Great stuff from John Tonelli. Much appreciated. Hopefully we get a chance to catch up with him very soon. He was an outstanding, outstanding guest. All right, here's what we're going to do. Quick break here on a Saturday morning. 
return. Get right back into it. We're going to look ahead to the week for the Islanders, Rangers, and Devils. And also, big news as the NHL and ESPN agree to a seven-year deal. So we'll hear from Gary Bettman. We'll do that next. We'll go around the locals this coming week. Still a lot to do. You go nowhere. It's Saturday morning. Rothenberg with you. It's Crash the Net right here on 98.7 ESPN. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Eric with this week's Crash the Net Hockey <laughs> Trivia. Okay, Ranger fans, this one's for you. Which player holds the franchise record for most short-handed goals in their career? Back in a flash with your answer. This is the Crash the Net Podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Eric with this week's Crash the Net Hockey <laughs> Trivia. Did you know today's answer? With 23 shorthanded goals, the captain, Mark Messi, is the organization's all-time leader. This is Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg. You're listening to Crash the Net with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN. I got to tell you, having John Tonelli join us, A, brought me back to so many miserable flashback moments, and B, pained me that he's such a a nice and and likable guy. Because in my mind, and I don't know if you guys do this, I I find villainous reasons for every player on a team that I root against. But John Tonelli, very likable. Big thanks to him. Hopefully he'll join us at some point in the not-so-distant future. All right, um, ESPN. NHL, a deal has happened where ESPN is now going to be the official home starting next year of the National Hockey League. I want to run through some sound with you. and We'll get to the schedules in just a moment on Crash the Net here on 98.7 ESPN on a Saturday morning. The president of ESPN, Jimmy Pitaro, spoke on the ESPN NHL deal, and here he is. Couldn't be more pleased that we've been able to make this happen and bring the NHL back to Disney for the first time since 2004. This really is a paradigm-shifting deal that only the Walt Disney Company can do. It illustrates some of the ways our company is truly distinctive and serves as a model for rights deals of the future. And as we're already seeing on social, this deal is going to make a lot of people happy, including a lot of ESPN employees who are incredibly passionate about the NHL and are very excited to dig in. And so many of those, and even ones at our station, like Rick DiPietro, who is kind of in my doghouse right now, and of course the great Don LeGrec, and thanks to him for joining us earlier this hour. So there you hear from the president of ESPN, Jimmy Pitaro, on the ESPN NHL deal. Let's hear the flip side, Gary Bettman on the Michael K show on the deal between the NHL and ESPN. It gives uh, ESPN a, a focus and a prototype as to how to deal with the evolving landscape in sports media. There's a linear package to this, all the games that ESPN, uh, ABC has in the Stanley Cup final, for example, will be on ABC. But there's also a streaming component with ESPN Plus and Hulu. And so we're going to reach more people in more ways, uh, which is great news for our fans. Fans have to be thrilled about where we are and why. Because how many times do you want to watch a game that you just you can't watch a game? And I don't even mean the locals. I'm talking about national games. I think that's going to be a thing of the past. And Gary Bettman said on the K show, the deal with ESPN will greatly increase NHL coverage. ESPN has covered us 
over the 15 years that we or so we've been apart. The fact is we didn't get the same type of coverage that the other three major sports who ESPN has rights to got. And now we're going to get that type of coverage as well. So in terms of the promotion of our game and reaching more sports fans and reaching hockey fans in more ways, uh, this is just an incredible opportunity for all of us. It really is. All right, before we say goodbye and hand over to Joe Wiz here on a Saturday morning on 98.7 ESPN, let, let's look at what the three locals have this week as far as games are concerned. Uh, the Rangers in action today. They're in Washington again. You can catch that game right here on 98.7 ESPN starting at 6.30. Now, again, the Rangers coaching staff will still not be there for the game tonight. Monday, we're uncertain of, but Monday uh, on 98.7 ESPN at 6.30 as well, and the Buffalo Sabres come to Madison Square Garden. And then Thursday of this coming week on 10.50 a.m., Rangers at the Flyers, and I'm sure Philly uh, will be all geared up for that one after what happened the other night, and that game starts at 6.30. As far as the Islanders are concerned, they're home against Philadelphia today. That's a 6.30 start on 10.50 a.m. Monday at Philly. That's on 10.50 and that's at 6.30 as well. And then they go to Beantown for a couple. Tuesday in Boston on 10.50 at 6.30 and Thursday in Boston also at 6.30. Devils, very busy week. Very, very difficult week. Today, They're home against Pittsburgh. That's at 1 o'clock. Tomorrow, same team, same time, different venue. The Devils travel to Pittsburgh also at 1 o'clock. Tuesday in Philly, that's a 7 o'clock puck drop in Philadelphia. Thursday in Washington at 7 o'clock. And Friday again in Washington also at 7 o'clock. So that's it for us. Another great edition of of Crash the Net. We'll be back next Saturday morning at 7 o'clock to break it all down once again. Big thanks to Andy from Merrick, our coordinating producer, Anthony Pusick, Ray Dinahan. I'm Dave Rothenberg. Joe Wiz is next up right here on a Saturday morning. This has been Crash the Net on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for listening to the Crash the Net podcast with Dave Rothenberg. Listen live Saturdays at 7 a.m. on 98.7 ESPN.